Welcome to this episode of the Pop Culture Researcher. I'm your host, Eva Tsai. This episode features a conversation with Professor Mitsukoshi Shin of the University of Tokyo. The recording took place in Taipei last year on October 11th, 2018, at the newly finished recording studio at Shida, NTNU. Professor Mitsukoshi Shin teaches at the Graduate School of Interdisciplinary Information Studies at the University of Tokyo. For two months last year, he was a visiting scholar at Zhengda National Changi University, where he taught a course on media ecology in Japan. I took the opportunity to invite him to the studio at NTNU and to have some conversations with our graduate students who have been involved in promoting media literacy. In this episode, Professor Mitsukoshi Shin shares his ideas and experiences in media literacy, media design, and radio. Mitsukoshi Sensei is very experienced in running workshops for media literacy, and he's also been advocating for a new kind of media literacy beyond critical reading. The new media infrastructure these days are Twitter, Facebook, Google, in Taiwan's case, Line, as well as various internet platforms that also dictate our financial and private information. As you said, that the media infrastructure means uh, today's uh, digital platforms, Twitter, Google, Apple, uh, Amazon. And those uh, have been saying themselves as uh, they are like a conduit of information, just a platform. And we are not in taking charge of the contents on their platform. It's not only a you know, infrastructure, but also media company. And uh, those companies should be the object of the media literacy from now on. The way of thinking of the media literacy is around the critical viewing or critical watching. Mainly, the target is a television. But nowadays, uh, focusing on the you know infrastructure is something new. So we new knowledge or new perspective which we should introduce to the media literacy. What is it like to teach a Zhengda? The atmosphere in Chendai. It's not only produced by the societal matter, but the geography or climate gave me a very wonderful, strangely cozy experience. And uh, because I can see mountains every day, and I can prophesy the rain is coming, or you know, raining is over and things. And that kind of thing is I love very much. <laughs> so Friday is a workshop day, and Tuesday is a book reading day. Okay. And on Friday, during my staying here, I'm going to do two or three workshops. And one of the workshops we, uh, we've done, it's a bit complicated and uh, it's a bit long story, but uh, after my coming here, the Mr. Su, one of the representatives of Taiwan Economic and Cultural Exchange, committed a suicide in Osaka. After tons of the criticism uh, on the social media for his handling about the Taiwanese nationals in Kansai International Airport. We cannot understand totally cause and effect between the suicide and uh, uh, criticism on the social media. But uh, uh, that's a big issue. So there might be one way to investigate what happened as a fake news on the social media or mass media in Taiwan or in other countries. This time I did a kind of the workshop that uh, first try to investigate 
what happened in 2018 September after Typhoon JB attacked the Kansai International Airport. After that, I split my 12 students into four groups. I asked them to make some scenario of what's happening if the Typhoon JB attacked the Osaka and Kansai International Airport in 1994, when the Kansai International Airport was established, and what happened to the media landscape. 1994, it's just after the trumpeting of the information superhighway by the US、uh, President Clinton and Al Gore. And no, almost no people use the internet. And there is mobile, but no connection to the internet. And 1994, if the JB attacked, and what happened to the situation? And、uh, another group, 10 years after, 2004. Just three years before the Apple iPhone's launching, and、uh, some social media has started their services but not so popular. So I asked them to make、uh, science fiction like scenarios of the media landscape and、uh, information flow or、uh, journalism situation in 1994 and 2004. The reason why I asked them this kind of very funny thing is that.、Uh, It's very hard for us to defamiliarize the situation where we are already. Line is always already taken for granted and a natural, transparent medium among our everyday life. So, thinking critically about the, this kind of transparent platform like medium is very hard. It's not only for general people, students, but also for the academic researchers. So, defamiliarize the situation or the defamiliarize the media landscape is a first step for us to do something in the field of the media literacy. Well, it's really a very innovative idea. As you said, even for media scholars or media researchers, sometimes、um, we are also in the midst of trying to make sense of these platforms. And oftentimes, the mentality is to catch up. Not to take a moment and then to defamiliarize, as you said. In our previous conversation, you also mentioned that、uh, you designed、um, a, a, a workshop or a, pro- a curriculum、uh, called The World Without Apple.、Mm-hmm. That was also kind of a, a similar assignment as, as the one you were just describing. How did that go? Like, how did the students,、um, what kind of scenarios did they, did they come up with? If they Apple iPhone was not produced in 2007, and、uh, at that year, Apple was in some way vanished from the earth. What happened to the, for example, the media landscape of the 2018、uh, here now? First, we chose many professional people designer,、uh, copywriter in ad agency, news reporter. And a cognitive scientist or agricultural you know, expert, whole the bunches of、uh, people were gathering for about 20 people coming and、uh, get together to make、uh, a future scenario vid- video. Many of them were working in the industry, but in the scenario, they are very keen about the surveillance. Or the too much capitalization in, of their everyday life. They try to make an、uh, alternative, very public operating kind of the devices, which will be the alternative for the 
uh, uh, Apple iPhone or so. Other groups are uh, making a very dystopia-like film-like things, and I asked them only five minutes, but they made two, 20 minutes, almost like a video. During the process, they told me in the same way. It's very interesting. Uh, industrial people told me, oh, Shin, this is a very nice opportunity for us to rethink about uh, our situation of the media. Because if we discuss this kind of thing in the meeting of the planning or exploring a new market in the company, they will kick out their ideas. Because the, the idea is totally sci-fi-like things, and that's not so realistic or pragmatic for the company. So in the business meeting, they cannot dream or they cannot imagine in this way. So they have enough time to imagine or dream about alternative uh, uh, society or media society. That is a very refreshing time. One of the things that I like to uh, ask you is about the magazine Five. Just to introduce the magazine um, to our audience, Five Designing Media Ecology is a magazine that uh, Professor Mizukoshi uh, has started with his colleagues back in February 2014. Uh, it is a bilingual and biannual magazine in Japanese and English. And in the manifesto written in 2014, it says that then by gradually launching online services, a small radio station and events such as symposiums and workshops, we're going to cultivate a small media ecosystem. I really like this manifesto and the, the idea of cultivating a small media ecosystem. It is also materializing, right? What kind of conditions, uh, what kind of resources, at what point did you realize that this is something that you could do? Before launching the magazine 5 in 2014, from around 2000, for more than one decade, I've engaged in the nationwide media literacy and uh, citizens' media activities called MELO. It's not an academic association. We didn't institutionalize that. We made our mind to finish it in five years. So first MELO, MELO project was uh, 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 finished as planned in five years. And the second uh, term, the MELO plots, also finished in five uh, years. So uh, totally 10 years we uh, engaged in those kind of very practical activities. And that's a very fashionable and a very memorable times for me. So after finishing the MEL project, personally, I became 50 year old. Okay, I will change my stage or doing s the mode of doing something. And uh, I want to make some, something, some medium which can connect those activities which happened under the umbrella of the MEL. In this time, I want to make a kind of the medium by which we can connect those kind of the things. And uh, that's the first idea of mine to develop something. And then I think magazine or a kind of magazine should be suitable for this kind of activities. Annual conference of the mail. There, there are several annual conferences. There are around 300 and 400 uh, people are gathering. So my assume is that uh, probably 300 copies will be fine for the uh, magazine. It means a little magazine. And then I asked to uh, Mori Yoshitaka, who is an eminent cultural uh, studies professor and uh, activist in Japan. 
and Osamu Sakura, who is a colleague of mine and uh, in the field of the science and technology uh, studies, uh, agreed to me. All, all three uh, male, around 50 years old professors, and uh, try to put our personal money and without funding from any public or private institution to launch a little magazine. And fortunately, we have a very nice uh, editor, designer, and engineer during the process of the collaboration of the MEL project, and they also uh, get uh, into this project. So there are now six, seven editorial uh, members uh, with our office. I actually tell you the very realistic uh, number. Early in 2014, I asked the members, including myself, to put uh, 70,000 Japanese yen each. It's not a small amount of money. And that's the initial capital. And we are still okay with that kind of thing. We sell them for 1,200 Japanese yen. So because there are many funding from the government or the industry nowadays, but all uh, three to the longest is five years, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we, we want to continue more. And the other thing is that uh, getting funding, that kind of thing influenced to our way of editing in some way. If I got uh, funding from Toyota, <laughs> I, I am not, it's a joke, but I will put special issue of the, <laughs> you know, future of the automobile kind of things. Getting other people's money makes something different for us. I, I want to make this kind of magazine making as our own way. Yeah, so. What's your experience with radio? What got you into the idea that you also want to have a radio for uh -huh. to go with the magazine? One is that uh, there are many small power radio in Japan, especially after March 11, the huge earthquake and the tsunami. Last summer, there are many typhoons and uh, earthquakes in Japan. Also, this kind of small station did a lot, more than the nationwide public stations or so. And someday I want to do those kind of things. That's one thing. And the other thing is that I started my academic uh, research as a media historian. My main focus is the pro historical process of establishing the social concept broadcasting in the United States from late 19th century to early 20th century. And what I found interesting mostly is that the amateurs or the manias who are absorbed in the uh, radio wave or wireless activities, teenage boys in the United States, not only in the United States, but everywhere in the world that the teenage boys are fascinated by the world of the airwaves and uh, they co uh, you know, collaborated each other and to establish the radio technology and make the radio broadcasting. I found uh, digging in the alternative imagination in the history is very important work, academic work for understanding today's uh, uh, very established media. And uh, that brings us to our final topic, which is, um, is there a future for podcasting in Asia? This is something that, well, as you know, that I have experimented with uh, making podcasts. So far, it's kind of a one-person operation. <laughs> and, and I guess it really helps to have the, the equipment here, the hardware here. Um, so technically, I don't need, you know, I, I worry about funding a lot, but I also worry, but maybe I don't need to worry about it so much because 
I do have a regular job teaching <laughs> and researching. Um, all I have to do is to stay committed and then to to produce contents that that I believe are important. Uh, but it's just that it comes out really slowly. Uh, even though I have taught a class uh, in which students learn to make their own podcast piece, I realized that um, students in Taiwan are really, or young people, they're just not that interested in uh, radio or podcast. It's it's totally not their fault. It's just the media landscape or the, the environment that they are raised in perhaps orient them more toward the visual. And that's something I, I, I would like to change slowly, but it's still like, so I, I guess I'm interested to hear what you think about the future of podcasting in Asia. I shared almost all the uh, difficulties and the possibility uh, ever already felt or experienced. And uh, actually, uh, you know, Eva, we learned the Radio 5 learned a lot from your activities and we imitate your uh, some format of the program you are coming to the booth of the uh, uh, magazine five in the cultural typhoon of 2016 and uh, i found uh, th that was my first time to meet you directly and at that time you did a very brilliant uh, presentation about the your radio activities why you are doing radio I, I was so touched about that and that energized me I have to really do the radio 5 that's a very important point but uh, at the same time that uh, you know producing magazine and producing radio theoretically uh, there are two different medium but the same kind of the system but the, the experience or the social effect or kind of thing is different because uh, paper magazine need paper and material uh, matters and it should be sold because we need uh, the money which uh, we put on the uh, printing receiving or bringing money or bringing heavy pile of magazine is something for us to uh, you know do and that make a kind of the social for some part of the social form of the magazine's existence. And when we make a sales booth on the international conference, there are some discussion between seller and buyer, you know, and it's a round table like things. And then we can grasp, oh, who are our audience or readers or so. On the other hand, that the radio, both of Eber's station and our one, it's free, free to listen. It's very hard for us who are listening to it. We have no regular and uh, continuous feedback. The point you're worried about is the same point we are worried worried about. You know, we need something that is uh, physical. Probably the easiest way is we need some listening event together among the local neighborhood or among the classroom or something like that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pop Culture Researcher. The episode is produced and edited by Eva Tsai. The transcript of the interview was prepared by Chen Yishao, Tsai Bohong, and Lin Wanyu. We welcome your feedback. Thank you again. <laughs>